Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul Angeline. And today we're talking about updating out of print games or old games. Okay. Okay. Go. <laughs> so I, I was thinking, you know, I've noticed quite a few Kickstarters and other other uh, games being written or created, and they're basically rewrite ups or modernizations of older RPG. Which I find most interesting because I recently noticed that a bunch of the movies that are coming out are are, <laughs> are. re-updated old movies yeah. like Jurassic Park, Top Gun, things like that. Well, those are like added on. They're not like total reproductions. They're not like total like there's there, there is that though. Well, what did they remake? They remade a lot of movies, but uh, you're right. They, there is that. I don't know, maybe we've reached a certain year that it's time to remake movies. I think it was the pandemic. Everybody went, yeah, let's go back a little ways. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I think you're right. I think a lot of people our age, and they look back and they go, oh, that was a good movie. And then they, even though this was done a while ago, like Footloose, right? Footloose is a great 1980s movie, so not about a great, but it's iconic. And they redid it a while ago, and those things continue. What I meant was that the first the first game that you gave me to talk about is a an updated version of well he doesn't use the name because he can't it's called Mutants in the Now right which is an updated version or a what do you want to call it a re re reimagining <laughs> of a, can I say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I think you can okay because they're one of my favorites I but. I, I don't know about the game, because it's kind of crunchy. Well, I didn't know, but I see. I always thought because I knew about Palladium, and and Palladium is owned by Kevin Sambadia. Uh, if I butchered his last name, I'm sorry. But he he developed Palladium role playing system. Was a percentile system, and I always thought that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was created after a Palladium system game was out. But I, him and the creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness RPG, uh, which was published in 1985, was the first one to use that system. Of course, the reason why is that Ke Kevin and uh, his name was Eric Wojcik. Wojcik, I don't know, his last, I butchered his last name. He passed away in 2007, uh, but he were collaborating together. They were they were friends, and so obviously Eric Wojcik and uh, Kevin Sambadia had a. Uh, they knew each other, and I guess it was Kevin Sambadia got the rights to do the RPG for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Kevin Sambadia had the rights to do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle RPG, and he had it done, but I guess he didn't like the way the freelancer wrote the rules. He got his friend Eric Wichick to do it in five weeks. Boom. That was a... Well, from the rules that I've seen... In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they're reminiscent of like space opera because it's a hundred, it's a percentile system, right? Right, right. And there's charts. So when I looked at it, I was like, oh, I see. And another thing, it's a real small system. I think it's clocks in at 48 pages. And there's a little bit of art there. So it's very reminiscent of the comic. It's a very 1985 rolled book, too, oh. because it looks like it was typed, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that's right. That's right. Well, you know, the publishing industry back then, especially small, had to rely on, I don't know what they relied on, but you're right. It has <laughs> that typed look to it. It was made in 1985. Eric Wichuk wrote it. 
basically used a, a precursor of what later would be Kevin Sambadia's, I guess call it the Megaverse system. I may be wrong on that one. But they used this system that Kevin Sambadia used in Palladium, in uh, the big game that he's made is Rifts. But there's all kinds of games that use that same system where you have regular damage and mega damage and all this other stuff. So, so anyway, so he wrote the book. In 1980, I think the, the it, comics... It was published in 1985. 86 or 85, I'm not sure. 85. 85. Which is pretty close to when Kevin Eastman and uh, and Peter Laird wrote their comics, when they first started publishing it. So they, they wrote it and basically went out of print a few years later. They probably lost the license, and there hasn't been a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle RPG since. Yeah, but it's been around, and I know people play it. Because I've I've watched them on um, not watched them play it, but watched them talk about it on YouTube. Right. So people still play it. Yeah. And it's a. Uh, In fact, someone said it's one of their favorite games, and they've learned the system and taught it to all their friends. Well, in 1985, I could, can you imagine if you're a, a a young person, a teenager, a teenager who's read the comic, or yeah, because there was no movie till 1990, I believe. And so you're looking at this fan base of comic kids, and they see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle RPG. They don't know what it is, but it, it looks like a comic. So because it kind of does look like a comic, and it, the the art is very, I think it was done by Kevin Eastman and Laird. But we'll just say Eastman and Laird. I read a lot of reviews and stuff like that, and a lot of people were like, "This was the first non D and D game I've ever bought," and we played it, or it was the first role-playing game they ever bought because they didn't know what a role-playing game was and they just liked that fact that it was Teenage Ninja... Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Yes, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Years later, I mean, this is... 19, that was 1985. Almost 40 years later, right? Yeah. Getting close. Yeah. There still hasn't been another game with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And there's a big... If you look at the Eastman and Laird, uh, shortly in the early 1990s, they got into a big fight. One of them, Laird, I believe, just gave the right, well, sold the rights to 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 Eastman, and then Eastman went on and started developing all these cartoons and made millions of dollars. And then he finally uh, sold all the rights to some company, I forget what it is, for like sixty million dollars, which is, doesn't seem like a lot these days because everything is like a lot of money. But can you consider how much toys and movies and cartoons they've made? That was a good investment. <laughs> So anyway, so you have this game that a lot of people in the '80s like. It's nostalgic, hits you in the gut if you you know if you think about it because either you still play it, which is kind of rare, but but because there's some problems to this to the mechanics and there's some problems to this game if you play it exactly the way it was intended or the way it's written. For example, uh, character creation is totally random, right? You randomize what animal you are, what mutations you have, what your background is. And that's straight, like you said, that's straight old style. Well, that's right? like Gamma World. <laughs> and the original D&D. Yeah. Well, but Gamma World, because there's mutants and there's a tables that you, you're rolling dice. Because our friend Phil made us do, I think it was second edition? It was or third edition. Third edition Gamma, Gamma World. Gamma World. Yeah. Uh, it was straight up just... It was like Traveler. It was you're terrible. rolling your dice and you're like, you don't know what you're going to get. I'm like, I don't like I that. We talked about it. I had a mutant that had a pretty cool uh, ability. It was a mental ability. Yes, and but it, you, you, could, you couldn't do anything with it. 
and he had a and at the time he had a high uh whatever you needed to to use uh mental my mental statistic was pretty high like a 15 or 17 but then i rolled the mutation that i was dumb yeah so it killed my mental power down to like nine so i had this cool mental blast but I, every time i try to use it everybody could make their saving throw because i'm such a weak so those are the crazy things that happen in, in that kind of character. That's creation. what happens when you when you use a random table yeah, for everything for creating a character. Everything. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. So I remember making a ton of characters. I remember making a ton of characters when I got the book, and I don't remember when I bought this book. It was ages ago, and it wasn't new. I think I bought it used. So it was like in the mid '90s that I bought this book, and I made a bunch of characters, but I didn't follow the rules i just like oh this animal looks cool i use this mutation i use this are you talking about teenage mutant ninja turtles yes okay and so that's what i did and i thought it was pretty cool and i but but another thing i didn't do is i, I never played the game i just made characters for it which is kind of sadly what sometimes i what i used to, to happen <laughs> but now I've, I've been adamant about trying to game games that are on my my shelf my shelf of shame or shelves of shame but I've played a lot more lately, so I feel pretty good about that. There's hardly any games I haven't played. So in the new version or the new the new game, Mutant um sorry. Mutants in the Now. Mutants in the Now, a modern mutant animal zine RPG. Right. Cause it's, it was, I think I forget it was on Kickstarter and I think they were talking about uh there was a special program that they have where new creators could make a, a zine or something like that. I don't know exactly. But anyway, so this guy called Jay, I forget his last name. Uh, Julian. K Julian K. Julian K. Decided to, he was a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He, I guess he couldn't get the rights. as I don't even know who owns the rights at this point. Well, if it's Teenage Mutant Ninja related, it's to that big company. Whatever big company that was that bought the rights. And he loves the system, and he, oh, he loves the system, and he loved the game, but it has some inherent problems, right? Character creation is one. Also, percentile system, the way the percentile system worked, it was kind of clunky, so he says he's updated it. Well, and he says that now it's a, a D20 in combat and saves. Um, you roll percentile, percentile dice for skills, uh -huh. but the mechanics are more universal, meaning there's less cross-referencing which is probably a good thing because lots of charts is very difficult. It's not difficult as in hard to do. It's difficult as in time consuming and right. kind of takes away from the. From actual playing. Yeah. And he says he made the rules clearer. That's always good. Progressive twists here and there. No beauty attribute, which in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a thing, right? Right. And no intelligence or it, it, there is intelligence, but. It's the ability to understand human systems and technology. That's what the intelligence is. Right. It's not measured by your IQ. He's specifically pointing that out. I'm assuming there was something in Teenage Mutant, Ref Mutant Ninja Turtles that was a bad thing for that. Well, it, not a bad thing, but it was very, I don't know how to say it. Well, the creator, Eric Wichick, had some strange ideas, and it's glad it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja's. And other strangeness, because some things he included in this in that book were indeed strange and kind of odd. And and in modern sensibilities, it was almost uh, what do you call it? Unacceptable. Unacceptable to a certain extent. Like for example, he had a a table of uh, like if you you he had a trauma score, and if you get 
you get trauma from seeing somebody getting stabbed and stuff like that. So you get to roll on this trauma table, and then you have a possibility of developing a mental problem. Oh my God, that's right. That's Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, but some things on this list were kind of weird, okay. right? Like if you rolled a certain number, you were you would become a psychiatrist. <laughs> so he kind of had a, so he kind of gives you a, a, an idea of what he thought about psychiatrists. Another thing, another mental problem in his book was that you used to roll a certain person and you would be gay. So obviously he had some issues about stuff like that. And and whether whatever your political beliefs are, considering those things as mental problems that theoretically could be solved or fixed is definitely problematic. Back then, probably people didn't really care or didn't realize what, what he was or thought it was funny or whatever. But today, it's a little bit more, you know, now that we understand people's trauma and people understand how difficult it is to, to deal with stuff, you probably shouldn't make fun of it in a, in a game. And then he goes on, and then he had a chart about alcoholism and, and addiction, and it was very detailed, oddly detailed. So so maybe he was trying to, you know, like... <laughs> like you he was were, working out his issues? Yes, and he was working out his issues, and it comes out in this game, right? So Julian K., this new guy, goes, well, I'm going to get rid of all that. You know, I, we don't want that. It's not... We want it to be inclusive as, as we can and have, be, have it fun and not be divisive. So I think that's a good idea. And the weird thing is, is that, like, he's obviously looking at Teenage Mutant Ninja as, a, as, a, as a, the model for what he's creating, but he can't mention it because he's in, right. <laughs> uh, he goes he goes to great lengths to avoid it in his Kickstarter page, and I guess he hasn't been sued. But I don't know even know if the the parent company would know about this little guy who's making this small uh, book. Well, he says that his game is tied to these famous turtles that he can't mention. <laughs> so, which was another thing is is that like when you updated it, right? He's included. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you didn't just play Teenage Ninja. Ninja you didn't just play turtles. You could play skunks and weasels and other animals that were mutated and changed. And I really liked the idea of, of, of that original idea that that the that the mutation would, ha- would mutate in stages where you were slightly like if you were only one mutation step, you would have that that you kind of look turtleish, but you were still human. And then you would have like obviously you were a mutant somehow because you were like bipedal and you could talk but you were like the teenage mutant turtles and then you were like almost a fuel a full turtle that had difficulty talking and then actual like the animal pretty close so i thought it was really neat i thought it was really cool and i i made a weasel and a, and a bat one and, a, and i made tons of characters but in this update he's added a lot of more monsters or monsters but animals to mutate so i thought that was pretty cool okay so we're looking at, at we were thinking about the idea of, of buying or, or why would somebody want something like that updated and in this case because the, the game is so old and obviously has some problems but mechanically in character creation and in issue wise uh this person julian k did a great job of of updating it changing it and making it more inclusive and making it more fun because now he includes a lot more animals that weren't included in the original book. Remember, the original book was 48 pages. His updated version is 120 pages. So he included quite a few more animals and and stuff, and he has his own background as to what's going on in the world. I thought it was pretty neat, pretty neat little set of rules. 
I see. So it, and it inspired him to do another one called Mutants in the Future or something like that, where it's like post-apocalyptic. And he kickstarted that, and it was uh, successful as far as I, I looked at. So looking back at this old book that I remember reading and, and watching, uh, not reading and, and making characters for, and something I wanted to play, because it looked definitely playable, and it looked like there was quite a bit of fun that you could have. And... Now this guy Julian Julian K has made a, a modern version that is probably easier to get into, right? Easier to make a character that you want to play. easier, yeah, to to play with right. the and rules, to actually play the rules. system, yeah, yeah. So that's a good thing, and I can understand why somebody would do that. I mean, makes sense. Were you questioning whether it made sense or not? I don't know if I was questioning whether it makes sense, but is it something that was necessary? And in this case, I think it was. I think because. Uh, necessary is a very interesting word there, dude. Necessary. Oh, you're right. I don't say necessary, but it's a, uh, a welcome addition to the role-playing game library. Yes. He got his, his Kickstarter for that one got like double, but he was only asking for like $2,000. Yeah. And I think that's neat. I think that's neat when, when somebody, and then you could say, well, why don't you could just play it yourself? Why play the old style game? And, you know, if, you know, if you want to ignore all this, the bad stuff, that's fine. And you could, but it, the system is quite clunky, right? It's quite. That's why I said it reminded me of um, uh, space, opera? space Opera because <laughs> that's a very clunky system. I mean, that's a very, and Saul and Felipe kind of you know, made charts and stuff for people. So it would be easier lists of this is what happens and that kind of thing. So it's easier to play right? without having to bend your brain to try to figure out the rules. <laughs> yes. So I, I think it's pretty cool. I think uh, in this case, I mean, you could do it yourself, but Julian K for, I don't, forget, I don't know how much the book is. You could probably buy the PDF pretty cheaply. So I think it, Pretty cool that somebody has done that for you. If you want to play Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, scratch off the, the actual TMNT. And, and it's called Mutants in the Now. <laughs> yeah, you just scratch off the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle part and uh, and play. You can still play Teenage Mutant basically Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can play any mutated animal right. or any mutated cool. whatever. Rocky the Squirrel or something. Yeah. So I think uh, you could do it yourself, but it's a lot of work uh, if you ever try to... to Homeschool, homeschool, home, homebrew, homebrew, or house rule. You're you're a, an old game. Julian K's done it for you, and he's added all kinds of stuff. There were other games you wanted to discuss. Yes, and I think it's kind of an interesting trend. I see this uh, Kickstarter for Everyday Heroes. Yeah, I think it's already ended, but uh, on Kickstarter, but uh, it is basically a fifth edition version of D twenty Modern, which is was. Uh, I forget when that was published, but it was one of the first published ones by Wizards of the Coast, support uh, using the open uh, license, open gaming license, and though it was made by Wizards of the Coast, so they can do anything they want, right? <laughs> they own the license, so it was a third edition version, uh, a third edition modern game uh, using the, the rules of third edition, <clears throat> and you play 
uh, it was played play a modern game. We could play spies, we could play whatever you want in modern days. So it was really neat. It was I don't know how popular it was. I remember seeing the book. And in fact, I actually we have the book. I have the book somewhere, uh, and they made a few supplements for it. They made like a supplement for World War Two. They made a supplement for for uh, for future. So though it was kind of supported, but then uh, it it just kind of died out and quickly kind of went out of print even before the d20 craze was over right before uh fourth edition came out uh i don't think the d20 modern had a lot of supplements uh toward the end of the third edition line well it's it's mostly like military i mean it's like you're a mercenary or a military person right well yeah but yeah you can make any kind of modern type of uh character and 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 they used instead of, of and instead of uh, what is it instead of character classes, they used the uh, the fast character which was based on dexterity, the tough character that was based on constitution, and so on. Right, the brain that was based yeah. on intelligence. So it was all based on the six attributes: intelligence, charisma, blah 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 blah. And then you got certain feats and stuff like that. And it was a very playable version of third edition if you want to play in the modern world. But Third edition is very crunchy, right? There's a lot of, there's a, imagine the skill list that freaking game had, and it premiered the skill list of uh, third edition, which I forget how many skills that game had, but it had quite a few. And then they had the idea of cross-class skills. So someone has updated this? So, yeah, so, yeah zoom forward to 2022. Is it 2022? Yeah. Yes. Wow. And uh, Evil Genius Games decided that it was time for a modernization of 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 d20 modern and they call it everyday heroes and of course they use the fifth edition rules and fifth and we we've talked about fifth edition and how it's like just smashing all kinds of records of how many people are playing well cuz it's streamlined things like the skills i mean there's still right. it's still Still D and D. Yeah, still D and D, but it's a pretty good system if you want. I mean, comp- I don't know. Everybody, everybody has opinions, right? Whether fifth edition is a good system. There's people who don't like it. I like it. And it goes, you know, they'll they'll or people, old people like, oh, I only play second edition and stuff like that, right? So I understand that, but it is a pretty good system. It's not as crunchy as as any of the systems before it. It has streamlined quite a bit. It doesn't have as many skills as third edition uh there's no you get plus five for this plus three for this plus three minus three for that they do do away with all that with the the whole advantage and disadvantage system so it's streamlined and whether you like that or not it's definitely play more easy, it makes it easier to play easier to play right so you on that basis alone and by easier to play i mean it takes less time to do stuff than you know like even if you're in combat you don't have to think about how many pluses do I have? Right. Because you, you have to keep like a list of, okay, if I'm going to do this, these are my advantages, right? Right. Or these are my disadvantages. And you have to remember that where if it's an advantage, disadvantage, you're just rolling the D20 and... Maybe twice. Maybe twice. Right. Yeah. So Everyday Heroes takes ideas from... Takes D20 Modern and fits it to 5th edition rules. And I think that's a great idea because... Like I said, D20 Modern is a third edition, so not a lot of people still play third edition. It was never uh, updated to 3.5, which is a slightly less problematic. It has, you know, there's a lot of errors in three, third edition. 3.5 fixed a lot of the 
incoherent rules that kind of clashed with each other didn't make much sense and there's a ton of skills right and so what you do with fifth edition is they get rid of a lot of those skills or they they combine them right and they combine them right right and it makes sense and and you have a smoother running game and you can play in a modern game which a lot of people like playing like modern modern does it does it have magic not no, really. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I don't think so either. There's no magic component. <clears throat> Though, you know, it's fifth edition, so you could throw a sorcerer in there or wizard if you want to. I don't think it's, I don't think it'd be out of uh, completely hard to do at all. So if it's, it's D modern, what are the monsters? They're not like D and D monsters, right? Well, there's no monsters. You're just playing. That's, what I, that's exactly what I'm saying. So there's less magic. Oh, yeah. There's probably no magic in That's this, what I'm this saying. Stuff. <clears throat> there might be like uh, uh, I'm. You I'm could willing. use it to play like 007 stuff, right? Right, right. But so, so in D20 Modern, they had a D20 Modern Arcana, Urban Arcana, which was for what do you call that? Urban Fantasy. Yes. So they did. I mean, it was very. Uh, Wizards of the Coast were very cognizant of the idea of uh, modern fantasies being very popular. Modern fantasies being urban fantasy being popular, you know, Dresden Files. It's a very good genre, right? It's a, and now it's very popular, and it has been for at least twenty it's years. Been very popular even yeah. longer than that too. So, well, for me, is this when I when I discovered this when obviously the world found out about urban fantasy. So I'm sure, I am sure that he has. Oh, the people making this game have ideas for that. But what what they have done another weird, interesting take is instead of Right off the bat, doing a fantasy, urban fantasy setting rules edition, they have these adventure books that are based on movies. And what what I guess it's kind of like the everyday heroes I'm imagining is kind of like Savage Worlds, where depending on the setting, you use different rules or different skills or whatever. You know what I mean? For example, uh, they have, I mean, and it's a long list of, of movies tie-ins that they have with this everyday heroes. They have like Highlander, they have Rambo, they have and a bunch of ones I can't remember right now. But there's all these, uh, and so these settings change like the rules a little bit or add rules or skills or whatever. So you can run that game it, it, that advent, your adventure in that world or in that setting, and everything's done for you according to the what I've read. So it's kind of like Savage Worlds, where you have the basic rules, which everyday heroes is, and then depending on the setting that you want to attach, you you have uh, different settings, and and you run the game, and it changes the game a little bit in here or there that makes it running that setting easier. So Highlander, a little bit of a or that magic. would be a magic, a magic yeah. Put it in there, so. But you could, but it, you could run it like feng shui, right? Like, or you would be running it as a. You could run a feng shui game. I'm sure you could, yeah, with the Highlander setting, because it's kind of like. Uh, I wasn't thinking of Highlander. Oh. I was thinking of like just the regular, the everyday heroes. Oh, everyday heroes. Uh, except I don't know how much magic components there is in the, in the core book. You know what well, I mean? the. Well, I guess I guess Feng Shui does have magic because that's part yeah, of the like part of it, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, from other other times other and stuff, yeah, and other dimensions. So I think it's pretty interesting. I and like I, I said, a lot of people liked D twenty Modern. 
and it probably isn't played as much because fifth edition is really popular and there's there it has been other attempts to make a d, a, d a modern a modern fifth edition rule book but they haven't had this kind of a what do you, i would say pedigree because they got some people who worked on the actual third edition rules and i think this they they're they're taking it from a very interesting angle of developing a modern game that you could play with and then you add your 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 setting rules on top of that and then you play the game and i think that's pretty interesting I, i'm sure there probably is an urban <clears throat> fantasy well right now, they have like a, a they, it's oh. cinematic adventures right right so they have you know the universal soldier okay so they introduce cybernetics right ah yes total recall right Slightly and then, future. Yeah. yeah so there's a, there's something for everyone it says right and that's interesting because, like I said, it's they, they got a lot of movie tie-ins, and and if you get the movie, that's you got to get the. They right even story. have Hong. They even have Kong and the terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, so like different King Kong. Of, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting. So it's very cin- cinematic ideas, right? Right. right. So you, in, yeah, yeah. tied to these movies that are real, are iconic in people's. Uh, I think some people really like that kind of setting. Oh heck yeah, like Highlander. Yeah, you know, well, people like that movie. I I like Highlander, but I don't know about playing it. Yeah, well, that's just another thing. Is like, well, you wonder what you would play in that one. Because it could only be one. That's exactly it. I mean, well, maybe you played before, right? In the before. Time. Yeah. Before uh, there were a bunch of people running around. Before cutting Lambert off was the only one left, right? So I think that's interesting. Uh, Rambo, you know, you you got this movie based on one person. I don't know how are you going to play uh, a whole team of Rambo's? Who knows? But I think it's interesting. I think it is interesting. But I think it's more interesting. I think it's all, all that's interesting and that the fact that they got the rights to do all these movies as RPG supplements. Well, yeah. Some of these are older, right? Rambo was old. Uh, Kong. I don't even know which Kong it, it Oh, So to. you could do Spy Thriller, Navy Sea Rescue, or Murder Mystery just right. from the core rule book. Just from the core rule book. And then they got eight different cinematic adventures. So planned, right? So that's pretty. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So if you pl- if you like fifth edition and you want to play a modern game, and like I said, there's been other uh, uh, other versions of this modern setting. In fact, we used one for our big game. Of, that was what five years ago. Six years I thought ago. we used D twenty modern. No, no, no. D twenty modern is a third edition book. Oh, you got a you got a fifth edition one. Yeah, I got something. I don't remember. Yeah, I forget what it's been it was a while. Called. Uh, it said modern on it. That's all I know. <laughs> it did say modern, but it wasn't D twenty. I'm just saying it said modern, and I think it was. Oh my god, can I see? It it's right okay. Now? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're not talking about that one. So there have been other iterations of fifth edition modern rules. Is what I'm just gonna say. But everyday heroes takes a different tact, and it looks like it. It did. It did pretty well in the Kickstarter, so it's probably done. It did better than the previous version. It did very well. Yeah. Yeah, they were asking for thirty thousand for uh, fifteen thousand, oh. and they got three hundred and ninety-five thousand. Yeah. I don't know if it's closed yet or not. Yes, it closed a couple of days. Well, before the weekend. Okay. Here you go. You had D twenty three twenty modern is out of print. You yeah. can't make, they don't make them, print them anymore. Now you can get probably the PDFs because uh, Wizards of the Coast have opened up their 
their entire line of everything they own, and you can buy it on PDF. But a lot of people like dead tree versions and like that book in their hand. And D- D- I looked at D20 Modern Books, and they, you know they range from you know in the used market. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say dead tree versions? Yes, dead tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you should paper, use that term. Paper, paper, paper. <laughs> so I guess some paper is not dead tree. So sorry about the tree huggers up there. But anyway. Uh, but I like having books. I mean, I, I, you know that I have. Uh, yeah, I can tell by the bookcases <laughs> surrounding me. I mean, I have like two thousand art PDFs, and Jolie makes fun of me for that. But I think uh, you have more than that. No, no, I think well, a little bit more. Literally, people say, "I, I heard about this," and so goes, oh, "I think I have that PDF." <laughs> <laughs> Let me look. Let me look. Anyway, so the, yeah. And because because if you go onto your account on, on Drive Through RPG, it says you have not reviewed two thousand three hundred forty-three <laughs> items on your uh, list. I think I've only reviewed two or three of them. I should actually review more. No, no. Yeah, just as a little blurb. Anyway, so modern was Everyday Heroes. Everyday Heroes is a, a reimagining of D twenty modern, and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm I am dead. What is not dead? Dead series. <laughs> I'll say this doesn't make sense. I am pretty sure they're gonna make an urban fantasy version of of this game or a supplement, and because, like you said, it's such a popular setting. Well, yeah. But I don't know. You know, I don't know if they can make a. They, you know, it seems like they want to tie into a movie or to. Well, a- I mean, like cyberpunk stuff is really cool now. I mean, right. So so that's a tie-in, and then right, and then any kind of movie that they can—they have eight cinematic adventures things. So any kind of any movie that people like, right, is is a way to get them to play. Right? Of course, yeah, to to draw them in. Yeah. So you know, there is other urban fantasies other than the Dresden Files that they could probably look into. Oh yeah. Uh, there's the the Iron. Oh God, he's the thinking. Iron Druid, I think is. I don't think we should let him think and talk at the same time. <laughs> That's not nice. And there's bl- plenty of others, and I think it'd be interesting to to include that kind of setting into this <laughs> into this game. Why are you laughing at me? Because you're funny. There was one more you wanted to talk about. Yeah, but we're running a little bit long, so. Uh, I'll just mention there's a lot of retro clones of the retro clones, retro book, uh, games of D&D. And there's different versions of D&D that they're cloning. Uh, there's clones of original D&D. There's clones of the Red Box. There's clones of AD&D. And they all want to fit a certain niche, I think. Like they all want to look at those and they, they look at those systems and try to modernize them a little bit and change them so they're a little bit more playable. For example, uh, low-life fantasy mixes like old original D&D with, uh, with fifth edition. And they kind of use elements of both, one, to make the game run smoother, and two, to... Update to, the terms? The terms, but also give you, still give you that flavor, right? And then you have like the white box. A white star uh, or something like that, which which is also a white box that does the white box, but is it basically just tries to tr- play original D and D like original D and D, reroute the rules, make it, the, the rules clearer because original D and D. So was, that would be like OSR. Yes, it's OSR, right? This is all OSR stuff, or, uh, 
old school renaissance or whatever you want to call it and uh and there's like osric i forget what it stands for it's a it's a bunch of letters that stand for something but the, everybody shortens it to osric which basically takes the a, is talk slower <laughs> which takes a d and d and they basically tear a d and d apart and they re-put it together in a much more understandable and a little bit concise version of the rules. So it takes all the three all the three books. I don't think it takes the monster manual, but it takes the the game master book and the the dungeon player's handbook. Book, the player's handbook, and it gets gives you all the rules. And they, you know they literally tore the rules apart and then put them back together, updated it. And what do you call it when you not update it? But uh, what do you call it when not update? But when you re when you. <laughs> <laughs> when you anyway, so Osric does that. I've heard it. Maybe a, we could talk about this on a different episode. No, no, I think it's good here. Okay. But what basically is what I'm saying is that when you that a lot, all these have in common is that they look at, at old games and they try to bring them into a modern, well, an updated, more playable version. Right. In their opinion. Of course. And I think that's pretty cool. Instead of one trying to find a book, like if you're trying to find old. Uh, uh, original D&D instead of making like an 18th edition they're you know <laughs> well instead of like saying, a lot well, of them lost the rights or they're out of print so they're redoing stuff right making it more more modern and, and and more what do you easier to get to easy to get easier right? to get and and be able to play right like if you wanted a, the physical books of original D, original D&D they're probably pretty pricey i think even like the late the last edition the latest editions the last editions they're like three four hundred dollars so that might be a problem <laughs> for some people right and, and 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 then you have to well and if you spend that much on it are you really going to want to open that white box <laughs> and pull out those little books well i'm sure they're probably used but yeah i know but then you're you're decreasing Soiling. the value of it <laughs> yeah you probably don't want to tear them apart and fold them backwards and stuff but but even that the rules themselves are kind of clunky and and hard to understand by today's modern reader, right? I don't remember being that difficult, but again, I don't remember reading those rules as much as like Felipe just told me what the rules were. See, that that made it a lot easier for you. <laughs> Felipe read them and explained it to you. Yes. So I think that's pretty cool. I think revisiting old games, updating them, making them more playable, uh, bringing them to a new audience. I think that's pretty cool. Julian Kay's work uh, it has a lot of people praising it. Uh, I haven't really looked at the rules uh, to play it, but I, you know, I thumbed through the PDF and it was pretty cool. It, they're really, it's a really neat system. Everyday Heroes, they have a quick start available. It's going to get published. Uh, if you didn't get on the Kickstarter, you could probably do like a pre-order or backer kit thing. It looks pretty neat. I think it's, it's something you should look at if you want to play a 5th edition modern game. And of course, there's all those retro clones out there. Have your pick. There's uh, there's quite a few of them, and and they all try to do something different, right? Like low life fantasy, tries to be a more grittier D and D game. You only have levels one through ten. You don't get a lot of hit points after third your third level. You know you only get one hit point per level. So your characters are more fragile, and uh, more ease prone to death. And I think that's interesting take. And if that's the kind of game you want, there you go. There you go. There you go. So. Go out there and support these people. They're doing the stellar job of updating old games and making them playable for today's generation. And beyond. <laughs> this is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. And you have a good day.